All right, so we're fired up. The kids are fired up. They're doing an amazing thing. And, and here's, I want you kids to think about this too. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm a little bit afraid. You guys ready? I'm going to tell you what I'm afraid of. I've seen the Holy Spirit at work. I've seen you kids. I've seen you at work. I've seen you memorizing. I've seen memorizing the prayer different. I've seen you memorizing all this stuff. And here's what I'm afraid of. We've seen God actually do life change through the series. Not because my preaching is amazing, because God is amazing, right? Because what his word teaches about prayer is amazing. And here's what I'm afraid. God's done work in some of your lives, and, and prayer is sinking deeper into your hearts. And in six weeks from now, it's going to be like it never happened. You know what I'm saying? And for some of you, okay, don't raise your hands. But I want you to ask yourself, throughout this series, has the Holy Spirit done some work in your life centered around prayer? If the answer is yes, then don't you want to hold on to that? Because in six weeks from now, six days from now, it could start, it's just going to start to fade away unless we're intentional about it, right? For those of you that, like, if you're honest, prayer hasn't really changed much for you in the, in the, in the last eight weeks. Listen, don't, don't you want it to change? You have the, some of the tools now, scripture and all these things. You, you have some. So here's what we do. We want to protect that. We want to, if, you're not, if you haven't, your life hasn't changed yet, we want to try to start, like, push it forward so it changes. And if it has changed, we want to hold on to it so you wouldn't stay where you are, that you'd continue forward from here. That you wouldn't get, a, like, that never again are you going to get stuck, never again. Rarely are you going to get stuck in a long rut of prayer again. We all get stuck in ruts in everything, right? But no longer are you going to feel like prayer is this distant thing that you can't find your way back to. We want you to be able to hold on to it. Because here's the thing, we want to protect it by a plan. Here in a little while, I'm literally going to give you, we are going to give you a prayer guide. And the guide's not the answer to everything. But we want to be all in on this. We want to, this, so today is really what we're going to do is we're going to take it from all the theology we've been teaching, all the Bible stuff we've been teaching, and make it really, really practical today. So today's really, I'm kind of preaching today, but today's about more making it practical. Because here's, I want this to sink into you. Knowledge without action doesn't mean much at all. How many people, as we talk about all the time, that have plenty of knowledge about the Bible, but they have no love? What does that amount to? Beating people up with a Bible. That's about it. You might as well hit them over the head with it. Like as, as 1 Corinthians 13 would say, knowledge without love. You can have all knowledge, all power, all prophecy. You don't have love. It is nothing. And all of these things you've been gathering can turn into nothing. So I'm afraid of that, healthy afraid. So we're going to protect against that. Here's the other thing. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Some of us in this room, a little bit too much, live your faith based off of my faith. Does that make sense to you? You're living your faith vicariously through other people. Now, it's a, it's a good thing to come on Sunday morning. And, and I think you guys can see that God is really working in my life, right? I got so much growth to do like the rest of you, right? I'm on my journey just like the rest of you. But as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As a pastor, I'm, I'm a, I have to say that to an extent, right? If you can't look at the example of my faith and follow that in some ways, then I shouldn't be your pastor. But the, the truth of the matter is I think some of us come on Sundays and they just, we just wait for that to fill you up. Or you listen to a great podcast because you guys can look, listen to the best teachers in the world, can't you? Way better than me. Way better than me. The best teachers in the world, you have access at any times. You have access online anytime you want to the best books ever written theologically. You, you, can, you can search out other, and what you do when you do those things, it is a good thing. Listen to podcasts, read books, read the Bible first. Always the Bible first, but read books. Those are good things. But what you end up doing is you live your faith vicariously through someone else's faith, so it's not really yours growing. You're trying to get yours to grow like theirs. Am I making sense? Prayer rooted in the world word is how your faith grows, how you move forward. 
That's what we want to press forward towards. So we're putting a plan of action into place. Now, this is really important. I want you to remember today, the plan, the guide, is not the answer. Worship is the answer. All of this is so that you might worship God more through a relationship with him. A plan's good, but does does anybody remember the famous Mike Tyson quote? Mike Tyson was a boxer that everybody was intimidated by, if you don't know. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) That was Mike Tyson's plan. Listen, life's going to punch you in the mouth. Am I not right? We're on this side of heaven. Eventually, if if it's not doing it right now, life is going to come punch you in the mouth. And if all you have is a plan, man, when you get punched in the mouth, that plan's going to fall apart. And where's your prayer life going to be? But if you're using the plan, you're using the guide, or using whatever works for you to worship God more, to center your heart and your mind in him, that's what's going to hold on. That's worship of God, relationship with God. That's what's going to drive you forward when you get punched in the mouth. So what this guide is meant to be, this guide is to help you to worship God more. And if you're worshiping God more, you're going to want to pray more. If you pray more, you're going to worship God more. Do you you see where we're going with this? These things feed into each other. That's That's where we're going today. And not only that, not only do we need worship first and foremost, a, applied and a, a plan or a guide can be helpful. But here's something that a lot of us aren't good at that you gotta, we got to face today. Without discipline rooted in thankfulness, none of this is going to work. Talked about action, right? We've got some verses that kind of talk about this. First Thessalonians 5. This has been like a, a staple passage of this series so far. Rejoice always. Pray how often? Would you just let that sink in for a second? We're going to talk about quiet time. I'm begging you, come up with a different name than quiet time. Right? I have not come up with one yet. We'll talk about time we set aside from the Lord. That's important. But pray without ceasing, giving what in all circumstances? Thanks. This discipline that we're going to seek to be diligent has to be rooted in thankfulness. Colossians 4. Continue steadfastly. Don't stop. Be disciplined. Being watchful in it with what? Thanksgiving, thankfulness to the Lord as we're steadfast in prayer, not doing it because we have to, it's a duty. Sometimes we just have to follow God's commands and do what he says, right? But we want to try to do it in thankfulness. One more, and I think this is one that you're not normally going to think of as, as being about discipline, but we talk about Galatians 5, right? How if we're walking in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce godliness in us, and what does God, the, the fruit of godliness look like? It looks like this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I'll stop there because most of us do. This is one of the most important passages of my life. I think about this all the time. God produced this in my life. I think about it all the time. A lot of people love this passage, and they should. But I wonder how many people spend most of their time on self-control. Think about love and patience and kindness. What's another word for self-control? Discipline. We have to be disciplined, rooted in all of these things. Yes, amen. Thankfulness, yes, and amen. But we've got to be disciplined. We've got to take this seriously because our good intentions aren't going to do much for us in the long run. There has to be action. And for there to be action, there's got to be some discipline. We must learn to make prayer one of the greatest priorities of our life. And listen, church, I understand that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to make prayer one, truly one of the greatest priorities of your life. But that's what we're aiming for in this. I, don't, I wanted to quote George, George Mueller. If you've never read George Mueller's autobiography, please read it. 
it's just, you want, you want to see what prayer looks like for a man of God? Read the Bible first, and then read George Mueller's autobiography. I wanted to quote large sections of it, but we don't have time today. But here's what he said. This is a man who is not primarily known for his preaching, although apparently he was an amazing preacher. He took care of thousands, thousands of orphans, taught thousands of more kids, and never once asked for any money from anyone ever. He just prayed, and God answered prayer because he believed. He, he did it on purpose. He's like, I want to show the world how good our God is if you really rely on him. And man, that guy was poor, but God always came through just when they needed God to come through. And sometimes it's right when they wanted. Sometimes it was more. Sometimes it was less. Sometimes it was months. But God always provided exactly what they need. It is incredible. And don't read George Mueller as a way for you to feel shame and, gate, shame and guilt. Be inspired about who your God is. But here's what he said about prayer. Real faith is manifested by prayer. This is a man who loved the word of God. And of course we need the word of God. But he said real faith is manifested by prayer. And so what we've done through this series is we've looked at Jesus' example. We've looked at a lot of other prayers, right? But we've rooted it in Jesus' example. And, and we've seen not only in his example of how to pray, the things that the kids did such a good job of quoting, awesome job, guys, today. But we've also seen, like, we've looked through Scripture and seen things like we're to pray without ceasing. We're going to pray diligently. We're to pray with discipline. But Jesus in Scripture not only gives us that example, example of, of what we can pray, but also how we go about prayer. And what I mean by that is we see Jesus praying with his disciples. We see Jesus praying with children, laying hands on kids and praying over them. We see Jesus praying for crowds, which is exactly what's happening in Matthew 6. If you notice, the prayer is not um, my Father in heaven, it's our Father. Not, not give me my daily bread, give us our daily bread. He's preaching to a major crowd and they're praying together. Corporate prayer is, is really, really important. You see, Jesus praying over the meal when he feeds the 5,000, right? He's praying with, with a bunch of different people. But what else do we see out of Jesus' life? We see these prayers in front of a lot of other people, but do you know what else we see in his life? Jesus always gets away in solitude to pray. We know from his example, Jesus is praying all the time to his Father, but he also, even though he's praying without ceasing, he's getting away for a time to get aside, a time of quiet, a time for him to be undisturbed so he can focus church there are so many passages. I was going to put them on the screen today to overwhelm you with them, but I'm not going to do that today. But that's an example of Jesus that we have to focus. We have to set aside specific, uninterrupted, focused, quiet time of prayer where we talk with the Lord. And that should just seem, I mean, it just, I think when people say that, we don't do it enough, but it's pretty obvious that we need it, right? Even with our, with our marriages or our close relationships, if we don't set aside a time to talk, without all the kids running around or without just getting back from work, all this stuff. If we don't actually talk about what we're going through, how healthy is our relationship going to be? It might be manageable, but it's not going to be super healthy, right? We have, even when we don't want to talk, we have to talk with our spouse. We have to talk in our most important relationships. We have to talk to God. It's, it's obvious. It's just, doesn't mean it's easy. doesn't mean it's easy. So we've got an example of this. I just pulled out one. Jesus has just healed a leper. And if you remember in the Old Testament, into the New Testament, or if you didn't know this, in the ancient world, people didn't get near lepers. They certainly didn't touch lepers. And Jesus went up and touched a leper. And his disciples freaked out and he healed them. And right after that, it says this in Luke 5, 15 through 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmity, infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Thank you. I want you to think about that for a second. 
Because we get busy. And we have a lot going on in our lives. It's true. Man, a, lot, a lot of us in this room have a lot going on in ministry. Most of you volunteer in some way at our church. You serve in a ministry in some way at our church. Praise God that we don't have the, the 90% rule. Usually it's like 90%, 10% of people do 90% of the work. We have about 90% of the people. There's only about 10% of the people that don't serve here. 90% of the people are doing 100%, 100% of the work, right? Praise God for that. So we are busy in all these things, but we wake up. We, we start our day. When it comes to prayer, we might not think this, but we operate as if I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time to set aside 15, 25, 30 minutes to talk with God. I've got important things to do. I've got ministry to do. These ministries might save people. You know, the, the only guy who wasn't constantly acting like he was saving the world was the guy who was actually saving the world. Jesus had three years of ministry. Freshwater's been around for 10 years. Three years of ministry, and everywhere he went, there were crowds of people that needed to be healed. Everywhere he went, there were people who were lost, who were going to go to hell. Jesus needed to preach the gospel. He needed to teach about his father. He needed to point to what he was going to do on the cross to save us all. Yet that guy, who only had three years, stopped, got away, and he prayed alone and talked to his father. Think maybe we need to follow that example? Church, we're not too busy. If Christ wasn't too busy, you're not too busy because what he was doing is way more important than what I have to do or what you have to do. He knew what he needed. Maybe we should take this really, really, really seriously instead of casually, as we so often do. So along those lines, in almost every book I read about any person of 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 prayer, like I'm talking about the kind of prayer that you want to emulate, almost any example of a church father or a church person in church history that I read about, very much personally in my life, or maybe most importantly in the example we see in Jesus' life, is that they rose early to pray. Now, I know some of us are like, well, I'm not a morning person. I understand that I'm a morning person, so I only kind of understand it, but I have a wife who's not a morning person. She understands it. I understand what it's like not to be a morning person, but the example we see from Jesus and almost every person of prayer that like, we want to emulate, they rose early to pray. And again, isn't it just so obvious why that's the thing that we should probably do? Right? You get up in the morning, instead of looking at the news right away or looking at social media feeds right away or start thinking about your checklist of all the things that you have to do or sleeping to the last possible minute so you can run out the door and be kind of stressed from the first time you step out the door because you're maybe going to be late, but if the traffic's good, you're not going to be late. You know what I'm talking about? That's how most of us start our day. All the things I've got to do with my kids, they're, they're running in here, they're doing that. Like, What if we started our day focused on the Lord? Like our day started with opening up his word and praising him for who he is. And worshiping for him who he is and being thankful, thinking about all the reasons we have to be thankful to God and all thankful in our lives. And then we, we looked at the word and we, we thought in our hearts and we confessed to God and we thank God for forgiving us and we prayed him to protect us today and guard, guard me from anxiety, guard me from fear, guard me from lust, guard, guard me from greed, guard me from the people at work that are going to try to make me angry. Now, who in this room is going to say that you don't think your days on a whole would be significantly different if you started your day like that? Before you touched your phone, you talked to God. Things would be different. They just, they just would. How many excuses do we have to say that we can't give 15 minutes to 25 minutes in the morning or get up 15 minutes or go to bed 15 minutes earlier, 20 minutes earlier so we could get up in the morning? 
Listen, we all know that we should. We all know this would benefit us, but there's this, this weird thing that sin and our enemy does to us, and he convinces us that we don't want to do the things that we do want to do, or we know we should want to do. That's why I said from the beginning, this is going to take worship primarily, but it's also going to take discipline. So this is really what we're trying to point each other to today with this guide. And so here, do, do me a favor. Those of you that I handed the guide to, would you hand those out real quick? So somebody's going to be coming around and giving you a guide. I think we're going to have enough for every adult in the room. You can share it with your kids if you want to walk through it with them. And like I said before, this guide is not the answer, but this is where we can start building a foundation. And I'm going to ask you to take this. And this guide's actually simple. I had one that was way longer, but we couldn't fit it on a, a one-pager like this. Right, Sarah? She's like, you've got to make this thing shorter. So we made it shorter. There was more to this, but we had to make it shorter. And this guide's not the answer, but some of us need, need help as we, we got, as we walk through. So let's, let's just look at it together. And this, this is going to be our plan from the start. What is prayer? Well, the kids already told us what prayer was, right? Titus and Hudson and Connor and Gabby and all of them. They just nailed it, right? A personal conversation and spiritual encounter with God. So maybe you, you this guide, and you just need to remind it, like, God's a personal God. He's my father. I need to talk to him like a father. A spiritual encounter means worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship my God. Right? So that's right at the top. We're still handing them out, but I knew you guys had that one. Why do we pray? The most important reason we pray, because God commands us to. We don't need more than that. Fortunately for us, our God is good, and he's full of grace and mercy and faithfulness, and he loves us, and he gives us way more than that. Like, well, as we saw through this series, the other reason we pray is because God desires to answer our prayers. He desires to hear our needs. He, li- listen, it says in Scripture, he desires to hear our wishes and desires, not just our needs, our wishes and our desires. Now, hopefully, they're going to be rooted in the will of God, and we're going to pray that way. But even in that, he wants to transform our hearts to align our hearts with his will because he loves us. So we pray because we're commanded to, because also our God is good, and he wants to have a relationship with us. Now, this is, real, this, this is not complicated. Right? We could have gone way more deeper than this, but how do we pray? Of course, we're going to use Matthew 6 as the example of how, do, how we pray. But I, wanted to, I want us to think about how do we pray through a passage, because for some of us, we've never really done that before, right? And so... Um, the, one of the best ways to pray, listen, hear this from me. You can pray about anything at any time. The word of God just helps to make sure that we're rooted in God's will. We follow the patterns that we see in scripture. And sometimes we run out of things to pray. And so we're like, I don't know what to pray. We let the word of God guide us into what we can pray and talk to God about. So let's just look at Matthew 6 through 9. Read, I'm going to read verses 9 through 10. It's right there on the right. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you pray that? That word adoration is the first one we have there. We go to God in worship. We glorify his name. That's churchy words, but this is what we think about. We think about Jesus, who Philippians 2 has the name that is above every name. Why does he have the name that is above every name? Because God himself humbled himself. He came to us. He came to rescue us. We couldn't rescue ourselves. So we talk to God about that. We talk to God about, God, Jesus, how in the world would you humble yourself and come down here for us and put yourself what you went through? Not only to come to, to, to live a life where everyone hated you, but die on a cross for my sins so that I, could be, that I could be washed clean. God, I don't deserve that. Why would you do that for me? But God, thank you so much. I worship you because you've done this. Hallowed be your name. God, help me to walk in your will. I don't even know how to walk in your will, but I want to see your kingdom come in this world. I want to see your kingdom come in my life. Jesus, make that happen in my life and make me want that, Jesus. Make me long for that, Jesus, and help me to worship you, Jesus. We adore God. 
we worship God in these passages, and that leads us into thankfulness. I think about the passage in Exodus 34 all the time, where God's name declares who he is, that our God is, God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Man, I love that one, slow to anger. Abounding, not some, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We thank God that this is who he is, that God, I am so unfaithful at times. Oh, gosh, God, if this faith was based on me, I would just mess it up so badly. I so, God, thank you for being faithful to me no matter what. Thank you for being this kind of holy God that loves me, that shows grace and mercy to me when I don't deserve it. And I know today I don't deserve it. God, I'm confessing my sins to you. I know I don't deserve it, yet I know that you're there to forgive me. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the things that you've done. Thank you for how you've transformed me. You just talk to God about these things. Look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. We can call this one supplication. Supplication is used in the Bible. It means just crying out to God passionately. It's remembering that this is a relationship and God is literally asking you to talk to him, to ask him. He's commanding. He's asking for you to come and talk to him about what you need. And he desires, if you remember Matthew 7, 11. I don't know if we have, do we have that one? Matthew 7, 11, I think we do. If you remember this one, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to, to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? God desires to hear from you. He desires to answer. He loves to hear your prayers and to answer those prayers, right? So we come to God believing that. Talk to him like he actually wants to do these things. Like he's actually a father. And supplication leads back to thankfulness, leads back to worship, doesn't it? Because you know you can cry out to God. You can talk to him about your needs. You can cry out on your behalf. You can cry out on the behalf of other people. I was talking about someone with someone this morning about how they, are, they have no control over what's happening in someone in their family's life. So what they have is they can cry out to God and we can thank God and we can cry out to God knowing that he hears us. That he loves our family members or that lost person more than we do and we can trust him in that. God wants us to come to him in confidence. That brings him glory. It brings God glory is what scripture says when we come to him and he answers our prayers. Come to him like that and talk to God about that. Thank him for that and ask. And then verse 12 and 13, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. You know, this is along the same lines as supplication. We cry out to God, but this time we cry out in confession, confession of our sins, of our shortcomings, knowing that God is a God of grace and mercy and patience and kindness that longs to forgive us. We cry out to God on our behalf, on others' behalf, on behalf of their sin, of our sin, knowing that, that we can come to him, that we can repent, that he will forgive us, and that he not only wants to forgive us, but he wants us to experience him by transforming us so that we might walk in his joy and his goodness and his holiness, and we might experience the freedom of holiness in him. And we talk to God about that. We honestly confess what we're going through, knowing he already knows, but what a relationship we can have. This is how you pray the word of God. Don't overcomplicate it. We're not talking about some big, long theological breakdown. Know the theology of a text, yes and amen, but just talk to God and use scripture, and whatever comes to your mind as you're reading scripture and you're talking through these things, just pray those things. And then while you're doing this, if distractions come into your head about the things that you need to get done today, don't act like they're not there. Just write it down. Write down the things that's in your brain so you can have it down, that you can address it when you're done, and then go back to your prayer. You're going to get distracted. You're going to get unfocused at times. Scripture's there to help root you so you can keep going, moving down a path. And so that's just one example of how to pray the word. There's so many more. Find someone in your life that, that you believe at least has a healthy prayer life and talk to them about how they do it.
maybe pray with them. Maybe listen to the way they pray. Not when we're trying to copy everything or like there's some like super holy person. Like everybody's got their strengths. And some people in this church have the strength of prayer. Praise God for it. Pray with them. And so if you flip it over, what we just really, the easy way to remember that is in short, just pray the acronym ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. In no particular order. Now, as for me, I'm going to say this from the front a lot. I have. I'll continue to say it. I think we should always start with adoration and thanksgiving. If you start with worshiping God and thanking him and worshiping him for who he is, then when you confess, your heart's going to be in the right place. You're not going to make it all about you and how you can't be forgiven. You're going to know who your God is. You're going to remember who your God is and know that you can come to him with, with humble confidence. You can take your shame and guilt to the throne knowing that God wants to hear, knowing he wants to forgive, knowing he wants to transform. But on some days... You just don't have that. All you have is confessing. All you've got is complaining. You can come to God that way too. You can come to God that way too. So again, there's countless things that we can pray through Scripture by following Christ's example and so many other examples. But here, just to help out, we just listed little five bullet points that you guys can read about things that you can think about, just a couple of them while you're going through a passage. What in the passage should cause me to praise God? Read about who God is. Read about what God has done. Then talk to him about it. Worship him for it. Thank him for it. Right? What, what sins are being revealed that I should confess? Where does my, not, my, my heart and my mind not align with the scripture? And ask God to help you to, to walk in his will and, and to walk away from your sin. What, what needs do I have that I should talk to God about? That's an obvious one. How is Christ revealed enough to overcome my sin, my shame, and my fears? And then lastly, how would my life change if I believe these truths and consistently talk to my father about them? That's a big one. I don't even know if we think about that. How would my life change if I actually believed this? If I didn't treat God like he's a liar or that he kind of gives good suggestions, but, but no, like his commands and his promises are absolutely true. I just need help believing them. What if you didn't talk to God like he was some distant God that has to put up with your prayers, but a father who loves to hear your prayers, desires to be with you, desires to transform you, desires to answer? So scripture examples show us how we can go about praying. And again, praying the Bible helps to ensure that we never run out of things to pray about. What I like to do, this is, this is me, I like to go through books of the Bible, start at the beginning, maybe read one verse, maybe read ten, and just talk to God about what I'm reading. Like, understand the text. We, this is what we call meditate on it. And so when I say meditate on it, it doesn't mean you have to do this major theological breakdown of a text every time. Just meditate on what it's saying, thinking about what it's saying, and then just talk to God about it. That's what I like to do through books of the Bible. But here, on the bottom of the thing, we've got all kinds of things you could pray. We got Psalm 103, Psalm 23, like these are passages that are basically prayers. And you can read these prayers and then talk to God about it. On the other side, we've got some that are prayers and then some like Romans 8, 8 12 and Romans 8, 26. They're just passages that remind us of who we are in Christ, who God is. I mean, Romans 8, 12 through 17, I think I told you before, selfishly, it's one of my favorite passages about our identity in Christ, about who God has created us to be. And we need to celebrate that and believe that. The end of Romans 8, well, is just awesome. We're more than conquerors in Christ. Just fire you up. Praise God. Praise God that nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God. Praise God, because I've done enough to separate me from the love of God. But God's like, no, 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 I'm faithful. I got you. You've, I've already conquered all this stuff, so now you're a conqueror. Walk in victory. Because the battle has been won. Oh, I need those passages. I need to pray those and think about those. Declare to God who he is and declare in my heart who I am because of who he is. That's what this guide is. That's it. doesn't have all the answers. It's not a magical pill. But hopefully you can slide it in your Bible. We made it thin enough to slide in your Bible. 
and maybe make it stick out a little bit so you remember, oh, I need to, I need to talk to God today. I need to spend time with him today. Let me, let me give. So here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to give 15 to 25 minutes in the morning to do this. I don't want to give anybody excuses, so be careful when I say this next. If all you've got, and you know it, all you've got is five to ten minutes to start, at least start with that. But listen, don't stay there. It takes five minutes just for your brain to not be distracted anymore. Am I wrong? To wake up or to not be distracted? You need more than five minutes. That's just when you're going to start actually worshiping and being thankful and and, and you're going to get into it. So you need more time than that. But start somewhere. Don't let the... Don't let the it's just the lies from your own heart or from the enemy lie to you and act like you can't, you can't do this. You can. And it's for your joy. It's because God loves you. And I'm saying this boldly because I love you. I want more for me. I want more for you. I want more Christ. This is the catalyst for that to happen. Okay, so we're, I'm almost done with my part today. We're going to talk about what we're going to do. So we've walked through the, the, the value of personal prayer quickly, I want to remind us, we can't forget the value of corporate prayer. So we've already seen the numerous examples before where Jesus prayed corporately. He prayed with community in different ways, right? But you know, there's also times he prayed with bigger groups. He prayed with smaller groups. He prayed over children. There's also examples like in Luke 9, 28, when he got away with just Peter, James, and John to pray with them. So it's a great example. It's a great example of our need and the benefit of, of larger prayer like this. We need pray like as a church, we need to pray together more. And we have a plan for that that we're going to introduce next week. I'm not going to take the time this week, but we're going to start corporate prayer where we're praying together more. We need to pray in things like, like life groups. Like Jesus prayed with his disciples, but he also prayed with Peter, James, and John. We need to do more prayer in our one-on-one time. Like a lot of you that are in one-on-one discipleships. How often do you bring up, like, how's prayer going in your life? Where, where can you grow? Where can I grow? And then just taking time just to go back and forth and pray for each other. We might pray before a meal, but how often during in your one-on-one discipleships you guys just stop and just pray for each other? Why don't we do that? I don't do that enough in my one-on-one discipleships. Why not? You know why? It's because we don't believe in the power of, power of prayer enough. And that just needs to change. Because God works through prayer. I need to change. You need to change. So let's take all of this serious. So... I just, I just want, I'm guessing some of you are with me on this. Some of the most powerful and transformative times in my life is when I was praying with other people. Whether in life group, I've had some just amazing times in life group when we prayed together. It's just, and I'm just like, I'm just like crying in life group for the power of the prayers. It's not like that every time, right? We don't have to romanticize it. But some of the most powerful times in my life were praying with my life group or praying with other people. Listen, one, well, I just had a powerful time of prayer in my pastor's group this week. Jeremy's in that group with me right? And it was like five out of six of us, I think, were all going through something really difficult or about to engage into something really, really difficult. Five out of six. We asked one of them, like, how are you doing? I'm great. Everybody else was like, man, oh. right? So we just stopped. We stopped the jokes. We give each other a hard time. We vent. Like, we're pastors, everybody in that group, so we get what it's like to the joy and the burden of being a pastor, so we can just kind of be fully open and honest. I mean, I'm pretty fully open and honest with you guys, even from the front, maybe a little too much sometimes, but but really there, you know what I mean. I don't have to explain it. They know. They know. But man, the jokes kind of stopped, and we just saw the weight in the room, and we just prayed, and it was powerful, wasn't it, man? We just saw the Holy Spirit work. We need more of that. Just stopping, not saying, I'll pray for you. Hey, let's pray. Can we, can we start transitioning to that church? A lot less, I'll pray for you, and a lot more, let's pray. 
I need that too. That's a conviction of my own heart. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of the day today. I've asked some leaders in our church to pray over us today. So we're going to spend the next 15 minutes not, not with some me trying to land the plane perfectly with my sermon. We're just going to have people come up and pray over us. And I, I just basically told them they can pray about whatever they want. They, they, these are people who know what's going on in our church. So it's like, pray whatever we need to hear today. It's like Hebrews 10, so we can stir each other up to, to good works, to what Christ has called us to. And so I think my wife is the first one that's going to come up and start us off, and she's got the mic. No, 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 up here. She was, come on, come on. I thought she wanted to pray from her chair. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just joking. So she's going to pray. And so parents that are in the room, you got your kids in the room? It's one thing for, for them to stay focused and, and decently quiet, decently. We don't want them to, they don't have to be totally quiet, but decently quiet when I'm preaching and I'm making a lot of noise. But prayer might get a little bit difficult for them, right? 15 minutes of prayer straight. So we'd love for them to stay in here with us. Don't stress about it too much. But Tori is going to be back there and kind of have some of the kids out there in the hall where they can still hear, but they don't have to be worried about being real quiet during prayer time as much. And they can kind of stay a little bit busier. So if your kids are good in here, have them stay in here. But if they need a break, they can, you can send them over there. You can walk over them over there with them. But we just don't want you to stress about it, okay, parents? Because this, this we know this won't be easier, the easiest thing for some of the elementary kids. All right, so then I'm, with that, I'm going to turn it over to my wife, and then some of our other leaders are just going to come up, and they're going to pray with us and pray over us.